So I told my mother that I wanted to run track, and uh, if I died running track, that's the way I wanted to go. Jackie Robinson and Jesse Owens are two of the greatest athletes in the history of sports. Jackie became the first black athlete to play in the MLB, breaking the color barrier in the sport. While in track and field, Owens won four Olympic gold medals at the 1936 Olympic Games, and his accomplishments are sometimes credited as crushing Hitler's myth of Aryan supremacy. But just behind both Jackie Robinson and Jesse Owens was Mac Robinson, Jackie's older brother and the Olympic silver medalist in the 200 meters right behind Owens at the 1936 Olympics. Throughout his life, Mac overcame various setbacks and struggles, yet also made an impact both on the track and in his community, an impact that still lives on to this day. My name is Anderson for Track and Field Black History, and today we'll tell the story of Mac Robinson from the United States, the 1936 Olympic silver medalist in the 200, and a relentless pioneer in track and field in his hometown of Pasadena, California. Matthew Mac Robinson was born in 1914 in the small town of Cairo, Georgia. Though the town was tiny, his family was large, and he was the third of five siblings, including younger brother Jackie Robinson. His parents were tenant workers on a plantation in the city, but they unfortunately had a tough marriage. Shortly after Mac's youngest sister was born, his father left the family, leaving their mother to care for five children on her own in the deep south of the United States in the early 1900s. Shortly after, she was unfortunately evicted from her home along with all her kids and forced to find both work and housing. Because of this, in 1920, when Mac was just six years old, his mother decided to move the family out west to Pasadena, California, where she had a half-brother who they would eventually stay with. This was in the very early days of the Great Migration, in which many black families fled the southern United States for better conditions in the Northeast, Midwest, and Western states. But it's also important to note that even the cities black families moved to were not all that welcoming to black families. Pasadena itself was relatively wealthy, white, and conservative, and black families mostly lived in the northwest side of the city, segregated from many places such as the city's YMCA, playgrounds, and pools. Mac talks about the segregation they faced while in Pasadena. We were discriminated against at that time, but it was so prevalent until uh, we had become accustomed to it and uh, it didn't really make that much difference within our life. Growing up in Pasadena, Mac got into sports and quickly realized he was much faster than all of his friends. In junior high school, he became one of the top athletes in the area, most notably when he ran the fastest 120-yard hurdle time of any athlete in the city's history. During these years is when Mac truly developed a love for athletics, and he knew that he could one day be one of the greatest in the world. But entering high school, Mac would immediately face roadblocks towards reaching some of his dreams. At John Muir High School in Pasadena, when Mac went to get involved with some of the sports teams, Doctors had determined that he had a heart murmur, and because of that, him participating in any kind of sports could be fatal. And it was devastating for Mac. And the funniest thing about it was, when I went to high school, I was ineligible, or the doctors declared me ineligible because I had a heart murmur. 
and uh, they refused to let me run track in my first year in high school. And uh, so rather than doing anything as far as the heart murmur is concerned, I felt as though they had actually broken my heart. I felt as though they had actually broken my heart. After staying in school for a bit, he abruptly decided to drop out and instead work various jobs to support his mother and family. Mac was also a role model for his younger brother Jackie, who was five years younger than him. So that could have been the end of not only Mac's athletic career, but also his brother's as well. Despite dropping out, Mac decided to return to school, and this time, he ultimately did get the opportunity to run. But there was a catch in that the school forced his mother to sign a waiver relinquishing the school of any responsibility should Mac suffer any injuries relating to his heart. So in essence, if Mac did in fact die, it would not be the school's fault. Mac knew himself though, and he was determined to realize the athletic potential that he had shown early on. So I told my mother that I wanted to run track, and uh, if I died running track, that's the way I wanted to go. And I said, I want you to sign the papers. And within his first year running track, he was on fire. In 1934, Mack won every single 100-yard dash race that he competed in, including winning the California State Championship. He also set a record in the long jump for both the school and league, a record that stood for over 20 years. Though he knew he would be great, Mack never imagined that he could one day compete at the Olympic Games. But little did he know, Olympic glory would be right around the corner. It was uh, something that uh, I really hadn't dreamed about or hadn't put too much emphasis or thought behind it. My involvement was trying to do the best that I possibly could through the process of elimination. And I figured that uh, I could beat the next guy. After his successful high school career, Mack went on to attend Pasadena Junior College where he continued to see success, including setting national junior college records in the 100, 200, and long jump. He quickly became one of the top athletes in the country and the opportunity to potentially compete at the Olympics finally presented itself. Aside from leaving his hometown in Georgia when he was just six years old, Mack had never traveled outside Pasadena. But to get to the Olympics now, he would have to travel farther than he had ever done in his entire life. In 1936, there were a set of regional Olympic trials that were held across the country. The top athletes from each regional would then qualify for the national trials in New York City. And then the top qualifying athletes from there would be selected and on their way to the Olympic Games in Berlin. Max's family had no money for travel, but he was fortunate enough to have people in the city of Pasadena raise $150 for him to make a full trip. You see, I left California with $150 in my pocket. My train ticket cost $99 round trip from Pasadena to California at that time, and I had less than $50 when I landed in New York, and when I made the Olympic team, I believe I had less than $30. So being the first time actually away from home, not knowing what tomorrow was going to bring, I was trying to hold on to a dollar or two in order to meet any personal needs that I might have at the time. His first stop was Los Angeles, where he would run a time of 21.1 seconds in the 200 meters, 
which was one of the fastest times in the history of the event, especially for the 200 meters run around a curve. In the early 20th century, there were still many 200 meter races that were only run on a straight. But along with the 200, Mack also qualified in the 100 meter dash to go to the Olympic trials finals in New York City. Remember he started in Pasadena with $150 to cover all his expenses, both living and travel? Well, by the time he arrived in New York, he had less than $50 left, but he was still focused on that goal of qualifying for the Olympics. At those Olympic trials in New York City, Mack initially missed the team when he finished 7th place in 100 meters, but he came back shortly after to finish 2nd place in the 200 meter dash, running a time of 21.2 seconds, just barely a foot behind Jesse Owens who ran 21.0 seconds to get the Olympic trials win. What that meant was Mack was on his way to Berlin, Germany to finally compete at the Olympic Games. A feat he never actually imagined, but was now finally coming to fruition. Also note, this was 1936, and Mac barely had any money remaining, just about $30 by the end of the trials. And he had not even gotten over to Europe yet for the Olympics. So though he had achieved this huge milestone, he had no way to celebrate it, or even know how his family felt as he was miles away from home. But that didn't stop him, and immediately after the trials, he was on a boat with the rest of the U.S. team on their way to Berlin. Once in Berlin, Germany, Mack would cement himself in track and field history. The 1932 Olympic champion Eddie Tolan had set the 200-meter Olympic record four years prior at 21.2 seconds. In the 200-meter heats here in Berlin, Mack cruised to a comfortable time of 21.6 and then a 21.2 in the quarterfinals. The semifinals saw Mack run a time of 21.1 seconds, which was now the equal Olympic record, as Jesse Owens had just run the same time in his heat. But the final is where it all came together. Jesse Owens ran away with the 200-meter gold in a world record of 20.7 seconds and would soon win a total of four gold medals at the Games, cementing himself in Olympic history. But Mack was just behind him. Again, running 21.1 seconds, Mack won the silver medal in the 200 meter dash at the 1936 Olympic Games. This was a huge accomplishment as, again, he never even imagined he would be competing at the Olympics, let alone winning an Olympic medal and becoming one of the greatest athletes in the world. I have no qualms about finishing second. I've enjoyed placing second. Uh, my silver medal has a, a lot of meaning in to me, and I believe it has as much meaning in it as the goal. Mack's silver medal was part of an amazing series of performances for black athletes at the 1936 Olympics, which included 13 medals across eight events. But even despite their success, black athletes were still treated unfairly in many ways. Despite being one of the top sprinters, Mack was left off the 4x100 meter relay and not even considered for a spot. On that 4x1, despite Owens and Ralph Metcalf winning 100 meter gold and silver respectively, they were placed on the first and second legs, while two other white athletes ran the third and fourth legs for the visual of seeing them finish. Finally, 400 meter gold medalist Archie Williams was left off the 4x4 relay that won the silver medal, and very likely could have won gold if he had run. Regardless, Mack would be going back home to Pasadena, California with an Olympic silver medal. But 
he wouldn't get the fanfare you would expect for an Olympic medalist. His family was ecstatic and beyond proud of what Mac had accomplished, but barely anyone in Pasadena had really celebrated him. He once noted that, quote, if anyone in Pasadena was proud for me, other than my family and close friends, they never showed it. The only time I was noticed was when somebody asked me during an assembly at school if I'd race against a horse. Mac eventually returned to Pasadena Junior College, but shortly after, transferred to the University of Oregon, competing under Coach Bill Hayward, who he had met while at the Olympic Games in Berlin. While studying physical education, Mac continued his athletic success, going on to win the 1938 NCAA and AAU championships in the 220-yard dash, as well as being a top finisher in the 100-yard dash and long jump as well. Before completing his degree though, Mac actually left Oregon and went back home to Pasadena to work and provide for his family. Just to highlight the fact that many Olympic medalists back then were treated very differently, the only job Mac could find was as a street sweeper in Pasadena. And even then, a few years after he started, Mac abruptly lost his job. The local pools had been forced to desegregate in the 1940s by an order from a judge. Because of that, Completely out of spite, Pasadena decided to fire all of the black public city workers. Thankfully, Mac was able to return to the University of Oregon and earn his degree in 1941, and left as one of the most accomplished student athletes from the university, eventually being inducted into the Oregon Sports and the University of Oregon Hall of Fames. In the years after competing in the Olympics and earning his degree from the University of Oregon, Mac faced many challenges though he still made it a focus of his to give back to his community. He focused a significant amount of his time volunteering with youth organizations, including leading initiatives to fight crime, reduce drug use, and provide opportunities for kids in his hometown. I, I think a champion uh, should uh, turn his rewards back to the young people and give them a pat on the back. If you see a youngster doing something that you feel would help him to improve, take the time. It may only take a minute or two and show him a point that would change his approach or attitudes around about the game that he's involved in. Uh, he would serve as a park director in Los Angeles and work for some time at Dodger Stadium. In addition, he was a vocal advocate for rights in his city, frequently attending city hall meetings to vocalize issues occurring in Northwest Pasadena the predominantly black area of the city. In 1997, the city of Pasadena dedicated the Pasadena Robinson Memorial, which displays both Mac and his brother Jackie as two monumental bronze heads just across from Pasadena City Hall. Though Mac may have been overshadowed by the likes of Jesse Owens and his younger brother Jackie Robinson, his accomplishments on the track and service he gave to his community as a whole had been just as meaningful and left an impact on so many people that he can never be truly forgotten. You had no professional players in any professional sport at that time, I should say. Now we are dominating the professional sports. And I want my, my fellow brothers to don't give up because if you give up and say you can't, then you won't. A quitter never wins, and a winner never quits. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Instagram for more stories and athlete highlights. And we'll be back again next time with more track and field black history. Thanks for listening. Thank you to the Washington University Film and Media Archive for the interview audio with Mac Robinson.